Well, you can grab a seat. Uh, and good morning. Uh, my name is Jacob Smith. Uh, I'm our college teaching director over at our Anderson campus. So I'm normally over there at our college service. Uh, but I get to be here with you today uh, because all of my people left me. Uh, you feel like this is empty, but literally my, my space right now would be no one. It'd be me uh, just hanging out. And probably my wife. She'd come hang out too. So that's about it. Uh, but I'm so glad to be here with y'all. It's, it's so wonderful to always get to come over back to Southwood where I worked uh, for a few years. Uh, and I'm really excited to share with you uh, this little gem that I found. My name's LaGuardia Cross. This is my one-year-old daughter, Amala. And uh, she's not an infant anymore, but I still have a whole lot to learn. So it's about time that I interview with Tyler. So you've been alive for 14 months now. You're walking, you're talking, you're clapping, you're dancing. You don't have to do an example. But my my question is, within all that time of experience, why do you still refuse to sleep through the night? Just why? Why do you not do it? So I wanted to ask you um, about your. <laughs> where did you, where did you get that food from? I didn't get a chance to eat before the interview, so I'm not trying to. It just may I, may I please just have a little piece? Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. I was. Uh, oh wow! Wow. What's what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> the food is too hot for you, isn't it? You see? All right, pass it over and I'll cool it off. For you. Well, this is about the stage that uh, I am also with my daughter. Um, my wife and I, we have a daughter named Charlotte who's 14 months old, almost 15 months old. Uh, and we are at this stage where we're getting to communicate, where we're starting to learn some words. And it's incredible because it's changed our relationship. Because all of a sudden where she's maybe just thought things and felt things, uh, but has no way to communicate it, uh, suddenly we're finding ourselves able to understand a little bit of what's on her mind when we see her lost in thought, thinking about her life choices, or when she's hiding from mom phone pictures. Like she has these thoughts and these feelings and she's starting to be able to just sort of on a very basic rudimentary level communicate them to us. She can tell us when she wants us to read her a book. She says, book, book, book. She can tell us when she wants to eat food. She says, ma, 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 ma. And what's really amazing, one of probably my favorite parts is that when I get home at the end of the day, I walk into my home and I immediately get to hear, da, 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 da. Because she's heard the garage door and she knows what that means. And so I get to walk out of my laundry room into my kitchen where she's generally eating dinner. And she's just excited out of her mind to see me screaming, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, because she's just glad that I'm there. And it's, it is one of the greatest things that I've ever heard. It's brought so much joy to my life. Her words have so much power to bring so much joy to my life. And, and yet I also recognize after working in youth ministry for a time, uh, after being a teenager myself, uh, that in about 13 years, uh, Charlotte's going to have other words uh, to share with me. That she's going to maybe be telling me about how I'm dumb or embarrassing. Uh, she's going to be telling me about how much she hates maybe a rule that her, uh, my mom, her mom and I have put into effect. Uh, she's going to tell me about how she just sort of dislikes me as a 
person, uh, just sort of in general, uh, we're going to reach that point where I know that her words won't only bring joy to my life, but they'll also bring sorrow. I know that day is coming when my heart will break based on the words that my daughter speaks towards me. And the reality is that we all have that power in our words, right? We all have that potential to bring joy, but also to bring sorrow. And we've seen this. We've seen words' ability to encourage someone or to discourage them. We've seen a word's ability to, to mend a relationship or to destroy one. We've seen the words abili- our word's ability to both heal and hurt the people around us. So how do we speak? This is the truth that we see laid out in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, where the author tells us that speaking recklessly is like the thrusts of a sword, but the words of the wise bring healing. So how do we as believers avoid those reckless words? How do we not speak in such a way that cuts or thrusts like a sword and instead speak in a way that brings healing? What we'll find this morning is that many times those effects are brought about, those results are brought about based on the motivations that we have in any particular conversation, the motives and the desires that we bring into our interactions. Many times we hurt and we cut and we thrust when we walk into a conversation with the desire of pursuing our own personal revenge or renown, whereas we can bring healing and joy and life if we walk into that conversation seeking to provide respect or restoration for that other person. But first of all, we need to recognize ultimately that we all have this ability. We all have this potential to hurt with our words. This is what we see in James chapter 3, that no human being can subdue the tongue for it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And with it, we bless the Lord and Father and with it, we curse people made in God's image. This is a very convicting statement for me where I know that I can walk around this world, I can interact with the people around me and at any given moment, I have this deadly poison just waiting in my mouth to spit at these other people, where I can walk into church and bless the Lord my Father one day, and then the next day, or even the same day, walk out and yet curse the people around me, speak harshly or or badly about someone that I know, or to to their face or behind their back. We all have this potential to bring destruction, this evil, this, this poison into the lives around us. When my wife and I were dating in early college, uh, we had this summer where we had to be long distance. We had dated for about a year and a half up to that point, but we had this summer where she was going to Dallas to work as a youth intern at a church up there, and I was going to stay here to work in youth ministry, uh, to take classes and work another part-time job. And so we had this summer knowing, so we knew, okay, we've got three months apart, right? And so again, we'd been dating for about a year and a half, so we had a foundation upon which we were resting, but we were still a little intimidated by this time, right? When you're in college, you look at that summer apart, you're like, I don't know. Either way, you know, I don't know if I'll see you on the other side. I hope, but who knows? Like, who knows what it may bring? And so we de- decided at the beginning, like, we're going to do our best to keep this thing going. We're going to talk to each other regularly. We're going to communicate. Uh, we're going to try to Skype when we can. And so we called each other every single evening. So we had these 
daily, these nightly phone calls uh, where we would just kind of talk about our days and how things were going. And it started off at the beginning of the summer really positive and really wonderful, and we had these wonderful interactions and conversations and discussions. Uh, but as the weeks went on, as we both got more busy, as we both got more stressed, as we both became more discouraged, those conversations started to kind of turn, and we started having more discouraging conversations. Our, our conversations had more tension in them. Uh, they had more complaints being you know, discussed about either the other person or about just sort of the situations we were finding ourselves in until eventually uh, a few months into the summer we reached this one evening where I just I broke I snapped uh, where we were talking with one another and talking about our days and she was she was sharing about like all these stressful things and these you know these hard parts about being in ministry and all this stuff up in Dallas and I just uncharacteristically I just kind of stopped I was like I was like no I was like, I'm, I'm tired of this I cut her off like right in the middle of her sentence I was like look I'm just tired of being quote your emotional punching bag. That's what I feel like or whatever. And I started talking about how I was feeling and how all these things were hard on me and how I was stressed out and all this stuff was happening in my life and all this work stuff. And so she kind of, you know, she graciously heard me out uh, and, you know, heard me go about like, well, me, me, and all these things. And then she hung up on me. Um, And so... I, I tried calling her back, and she didn't answer. Uh, so I just tried sending her a text message, and she didn't answer. Uh, so I went to bed furious, just furious, because I was upset at the situation, but I was also I was starting, I think, to be a little bit upset at myself of realizing, like, wow, what did I just do? Like, why did I just launch poison at this woman who I love, at this person that I care about, that I want to be with, that I want to spend time with, that I want to talk to? Why did I do that? Why did I just unleash that deadly, destructive poison? And yet we've all been there. Because of our sin, we've all seen our mouths, our words create destruction and hurt in the lives of people around us. And many times it's because we're speaking out of a desire for revenge. Sometimes it's, well, yeah, I've I've been really upset about these other things, and I've got all this kind of uh, frustration and discouragement at work or school or with these other relationships, and so I'm going to bring it to my loved one. And when we're on the phone call, you know, long distance that one night, I'm just going to unleash on you. I'm just going to dump it all, all on your plate, even though you have nothing to do with it, because I know you can take it, because I know you're just kind of there. You're probably not going anywhere, so I'm just going to take all this baggage and just dump it right on you. We've been there. We've done that. Sometimes it's we get personally offended by another person, coworker or a friend or a classmate, whoever it is, a family member says something that hurts us or does something that hurts us. And maybe they realize it, maybe they don't. And many times instead of us telling them that in the moment, instead of confronting it and, and, and discussing the issue, sometimes we just kind of like mm, bury it. We just kind of let it sit. And maybe sometimes we let it build. And maybe we discuss it with other people. Maybe we let out like a few little snide remarks about like, hey, it's, maybe it still bothers me, but we just kind of let it grow and build and fester until one day where we see that opportune moment. We get into that discussion or we get into that argument or they ask us for a request and we find that perfect moment to just poof, nail them and cut them and hurt them where we know it's most effective because that'll show them for hurting me however long ago. All of us have been in that moment where maybe we speak harshly to a parent because they frustrated us or they embarrassed us or they're, they're not behaving the way that we want them to behave as an authority figure, as our, as our mom or as our dad. Sometimes we find ourselves, I find myself wanting to speak harshly to our children 
where you're frustrated, where it's like, hey, you have a fever. You need to take medicine. Why aren't you taking medicine? Like, why is this happening? We get frustrated and we want to speak harshly. We want to take out our own little personal vendetta, our own personal little revenge in that moment because we're sinful people, because we're broken in that way. We've lashed out at these loved ones even when they don't deserve it because we all have the potential to create destruction with our words. So my question for you this morning is just who was that? Who is it that you've hurt with your words? Because we've all been there. Who immediately comes to your mind as I talk about someone who maybe you've unloaded on that didn't deserve it, as someone maybe you've been waiting and building bitterness towards to just attack them when the time is right? Who have you hurt? Maybe it's in your quest for your own personal revenge. Maybe it's in your quest for your personal renown. Meaning sometimes we uh, want to minimize the accomplishments of other people in order to maximize our own. Right? Many times this comes about when we start speaking with superlatives, talking to our spouses or coworkers or friends about how, well, you always, da 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 or I never, blah, 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 or you never, and I always... Or this is how this always goes, or this is the best, or whatever it is. Many times we find ourselves wanting to kind of push that person's accomplishments down, kind of downplay what they provide or what they've done or the sacrifices they've made in order to build our own up. And in doing so, we hurt those people. We bring sorrow and pain to those people. Sometimes it's we maybe just attack someone else's character or accomplishments or abilities because in doing so, it makes us feel better about ourselves. Maybe I think, well, I'm a little bit intimidated by the way you've done that, or I'm really impressed by this, and, but I don't want you to be the funny one, or I don't want you to be the nice parent this week. Like, I'm going to just kind of say some things, kind of knock you down a few pegs. I'm going to kind of bring you down a few levels, because in doing so, I'll feel better about myself, about my accomplishments. Sometimes we're even just so caught up in affirming ourselves and building ourselves up and boasting in our abilities or in our attributes that we just ignore the people around us. That we just don't even pay attention to them. Or we see them as an opportunity to kind of one-up them. So maybe we're not even a, a, a directly attacking them or hurting them, but we're just ignoring them. We're not even giving them the time of day because we're so caught up in our own you know, self-centered ideas and, and desires and, and worries that we're not even paying attention to the needs of the people around us. We've all been there. I've been there. So again, my question is just, who have you hurt in that? Who's suffered? Who's experienced sorrow or pain or loss? Because you've been seeking after your own personal renown. But thankfully, by the grace of God, through the power of the Spirit, that's not all we're capable of. It's not the only potential that we have. Instead, by the grace of God, through the work of the Spirit, we also have the potential to bring healing and life where we would otherwise bring hurt and death. This is what we see in Colossians chapter 3, where Paul's speaking to a group of believers and tells them, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if, someone, has, if something, someone happens to have a complaint against anyone else. He says, these are the attributes, these are the characteristics, these are the qualities that should define your relationships, your actions amongst one another, your words to one another. 
And if you know Galatians 5, you realize that a lot of these attributes, these characteristics, are what we call the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning that I, in and of myself, can't just wake up one day and decide, you know what? It's humility day. I'm going to be the most humble son of a gun that this college station's ever seen. And I'm just going to do all these things. I can't do that. Because I look at Galatians 5 and I realize that, no, that's something that comes from the Spirit. Meaning the Holy Spirit who indwells every single believer. When I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins, I am promised as a down payment, as a guarantee of my future eternal life, I am given the Holy Spirit, who's not just a guarantee of that eternal life, but he's also a help in my current, in my current life, in my current days. He's my helper. He's my tutor. He's my guide. He's my counselor. And he bears fruit in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, thankfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are fruit of the Spirit. So if I'm walking by the Spirit, if I'm allowing the Spirit to guide my steps, if I'm walking according to the Spirit, to use biblical terminology, then I can see these things in my life. I can see this in my interactions. I can see this in my words. And it's crucial that we're known by this because you know what? The reality is that at some point we're all going to fail to display these things. And that's why we need to be forgiving one another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. And to all of these virtues add love, which is the perfect bond. So what we see in Scripture is that thanks to the work of the Spirit, by the grace of God, we have the opportunity to love and forgive because we all recognize that, you know what? We've all been broken. We've all made mistakes. And Jesus Christ died for my sins, and your sins. God loves me and you. Therefore, I'm going to forgive you just as God has forgiven me. Therefore, I'm going to love you just as God has loved me and you. We have this potential to bring healing and life with our interactions. On that fateful summer, as I woke up the next morning, uh, you know, distraught, from having, you know, potentially destroyed my relationship uh, with, with my wife, Susan. Uh, I uh, woke up, I had trouble sleeping, so I woke up early. I woke up about five o'clock in the morning, and my first thought was just, I've made a huge mistake. Like, I need to do something about this. I need to atone. And so in that moment, I just thought, well, what if I go see her, right? What, what if I go talk to her? Uh, but I couldn't do that because I had a class in the morning. I had a 7.30 a.m. class at Blinn, uh, science, a ge- geology class. And so I thought, well, maybe I can call the prof. Maybe he'll be understanding. Because I'd spoken with him. We had kind of a good rapport. We had a good relationship. Uh, he was a believer from South Africa. And so he would, all summer, he was calling me Brother Jacob. And it was awesome because he knew I worked at a church. And so I called him up. I was like, look, prof, like this is what's going on. Like we've got these things. And, and I just told him about the conversation that I had. And you know, there's this girl that I love and she's up there and we've been dating and I don't know like if it's going to keep working and she's working at a church you know so that's good and you know I just kind of try to lay out what happened and I'm telling like I want you know I want to go see like is it okay is it is it possible for me to just miss the class this morning is it is it okay if I do the makeup work at some other time and he heard me out he graciously just kind of listened and he before I could even like continue to stammer on and keep asking keep asking he said Jacob he said brother Jacob Go with God, Brother Jacob. <laughs> Go with God. I was like, I will, okay. And so I went, I got in my car. 
And I drove to Dallas. And so I started my three-hour drive. As I was going up there, I realized I didn't know where I was going. So I called a friend who was interning at the same church. He told me, okay, well, Susan's you know, she's going to be at this Chick-fil-A in Plano where she's going to be leading a Bible study for these sixth graders. Uh, so you can go there. Uh, so I got there about 8 o'clock, 8.30 in the morning, uh, and I see her from across the restaurant. And as I start to make my way over, I realize, oh, maybe I should have thought about what I was going to say uh, <laughs> on that three-hour car ride. But it didn't matter because by the time I got close enough to where she saw me, she just started crying, started weeping. And of course, you know, she's surrounded by sixth grade girls who are then very concerned and uncomfortable <laughs> with the situation as their leader is just bawling and this guy's approaching their table. <laughs> and so they kind of held me out there, they get a little defensive, like, hey, this is a bad man, like, what's going on with the situation? But Susan Clear says, good tears, they're good. And so, you know, they're like, okay, okay, you're cool, you're cool. And so I asked her, I was like, hey, can we talk after? She said, yeah, let's, let's talk after, you know, the study. And so I went and waited uh, and let them finish their Bible study, uh, which I'm sure was super productive uh, after that moment. Uh, but they got to talk and finish up, and Susan came and talked to me, and, and immediately the first thing I was able to do was just tell her that I was sorry and just, just apologize confess that I, that I had spoken harshly, that I, that I had s- stepped out of bounds, that I, that I was wrong. I asked her to forgive me. I asked for her mercy. And she graciously gave it to me. And she forgave me. She recognized, ultimately, that we're both sinners, that we're both broken, that we're both going to make mistakes, that we're going to both continue to hurt each other in lots of different ways as our relationship continued. I mean, it It worked. I mean, we're married. We have a kid. It worked for sure. Like, we're good. But we had that moment where reconciliation got to happen. We had that moment where restoration of our relationship occurred because of our words. Because we spoke in such a way that brought life, that brought healing, that brought joy to our relationship. And we all have that opportunity We all have that potential by the grace of God through the work of the Spirit to speak in such a way that brings healing, that brings grace and love and forgiveness. Many times it's it's brought about if we walk into a, a conversation motivated by a desire to not just, you know, pursue my own personal revenge or my own personal renown, but instead I walk in wanting to provide respect for that person, meaning to affirm that person, to encourage that person. How many of us have classmates or roommates or spouses or children or parents or coworkers, people in our lives that we know we appreciate, right? And we think positively of them and we see things in their life and they're like, wow, that's so cool that so-and-so did this or can do that. And we think it and yet so many times we fail to speak it. We fail to say it to them. Sometimes that's what that looks like. We can bring healing and life and joy if we simply just say what we've been thinking about how wonderful and affirming this person is. Sometimes it's thanking a loved one for the blessing that they are in our life. Thanking our, our parent, our, our, our spouse, our family member, our, our friend for the sacrifices that they've made on our behalf, for the opportunities that they've provided for us. Thanking them for the blessing that they've been in our life. Sometimes it's encouraging a friend or a coworker, or someone that we know is going through a tough time. 
Maybe we haven't had, maybe we're not like best friends, but we still see them struggling and we have that moment and maybe we would feel awkward, but we can step into that moment and provide encouragement, offer our assistance, offer our help because we know they're going through a, a personal matter. They're going through a tough time at work with a project or whatever it is. We have opportunities all around us to affirm and encourage. And in doing so, we get to highlight the inherent value that God has given to all of humanity. Every single person is an image bearer of the Lord our God. So when I affirm them, when I encourage them, what I'm doing is I'm drawing attention to that fact. I'm saying, you know what? I see you as valuable because the God that I worship, the God that I know, says you're valuable made you valuable. Jesus Christ died so that you might live. That, that displays an incredible amount of value in who you are. And I want to affirm that. I want to encourage you in that. So who needs to hear those words from you? Who needs to hear your words of respect? Who do you have an opportunity to affirm or encourage right now? We can bring healing and joy and life with those words that, that affirm and encourage. We can also bring those things. We can bring that healing when we walk into that conversation motivated by a desire to provide restoration for that other person. Sometimes it's a one-on-one thing, right? Sometimes it's just initiating that I'm sorry moment in a Chick-fil-A in Plano surrounded by sixth grade girls. Like sometimes that's where we need to be. Sometimes that's what we need to do. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, being not just quick to ask for forgiveness. Maybe sometimes it's being quick to forgive the other person when they've hurt us. Someone who's hurt you, maybe repeatedly. Now, sometimes those cuts and those wounds are, are deep enough or are serious enough that maybe we don't need to trust that person immediately. But we can forgive them. Why? Because we've been forgiven. Because Jesus Christ died for the world because God desires that all would be saved. So I recognize that, yeah, you've made mistakes and you're broken and you've hurt me so bad, but you know what? I'm in the same boat. I'm just as sinful. And Jesus Christ died for both of us. So I can forgive you just as I've been forgiven. Sometimes it's not even necessarily a one-on-one thing. Maybe sometimes it's more of a group restoration. Maybe it's you're in the midst of uh, friends or coworkers or whoever it is that are, that are being very negative, right? A lot of negativity towards a situation or towards a person, a supervisor. And maybe in those moments, we don't jump on that negative bandwagon. Maybe in those moments, instead, we speak kindly. We speak graciously. We speak lovingly. And in doing so, we have the opportunity not just to heal a kind of one-on-one relationship, to restore this personal relationship. We have the opportunity to restore a group of people, to bring healing to a a number of individuals, healing to our community as a whole. And when we do this, right, when when we speak in such a way that brings restoration, what's so beautiful is that we are contributing to the work of restoration that our God desires for all of creation. Our God is one who loves restoration, who loves reconciliation. Our God loves to restore what's broken. He loves to find something that's broken and make it whole, make it better. That's what our God's all about. That's why he gave us Jesus Christ, 
to restore us to relationship with himself. That's what's so beautiful about sharing the gospel, about knowing and also sharing, is that we get to see in the gospel these principles lived out. I get to share with the gospel all of these pieces that hit all of these points, all these ways that our words can bring healing and life and joy are found in the gospel. Because when I tell someone that Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven and onto earth to live and die and rise again for our sake, When I tell people that God loved them so much that while they were still sinners, Christ died for them. If I'm able to tell someone that even when we were still children of wrath, running in open rebellion against the God who made us, he still loved us, he still pursued us, even in the midst of of our transgressions, even in the midst of our, our, our struggle, our, again, just open rebellion, when I share that with someone, man, those are powerful words. Something that we don't hear in this world. Unconditional love. Unconditional forgiveness. So we have an opportunity to share with people around us this gospel. That Jesus Christ died as a sacrifice to overcome their sinful desires for revenge and renown. Our sinful desires. Jesus Christ died and in doing so, highlights the inherent value that every single person has. You've been bought with a price, a great price, that Jesus Christ would live the life you could not live and die the death that you deserved, also that we might live. That's incredible. And in doing so, by living and dying and rising again for our sake, Jesus Christ has offered the opportunity to be restored in relationship with God. We no longer have to be children of wrath but we can now be adopted as sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. How beautiful is that? So I would just encourage you to be thinking about those questions. First and foremost, who is Jesus? What did he accomplish? What does that mean for my life? Because that's the most important question you'll ever answer. Who do you say that he is? What does that mean for your life? If you have questions about that, I'd love for you to talk with me. We have pastors on staff, we have staff members that are all around the room that would love to talk to you about that. But second of all, you need to be asking yourself, who have I hurt? Or maybe just who do I have an incur- who do I have an opportunity to encourage, to heal, to bring joy? So the band's gonna come up and they're gonna lead us through another song to, to worship our God. But I would encourage you to use this moment to, to reflect. I mean, who, who does need to hear words of encouragement or affirmation this week? Who is it in my life that I could text right now to set up a conversation, right? Not having a huge drawn-out conversation on text, but just set up the opportunity to have that conversation at a coffee or a meal. You can get on the calendar now to, to call them up if they're far away. Who is it that you can initiate with today to talk with, maybe later today, maybe later this week? Who's maybe a spiritual influence in your life that you could tell them as much? Someone who's greatly benefited you, who's kind of set you on the trajectory. You look back and you're like, wow, this person was such a wonderful benefit to me. Maybe it's a parent, a, a friend. You could call them up and just say, hey, I just wanted to let you know. Maybe I've said it before. Maybe I haven't. But gosh, you've been, such in, you've been so instrumental in my life and in my development. And I so, I'm so appreciative for the impact that you've had with me. I don't know where you're at. I don't know who those people are. 
But let's go to the Lord and ask him to reveal that to us right now. God, we thank you that you've given us this time. That God, you gave us this morning to uh, Lord, reflect on what you can accomplish through our words. God, we thank you that we're not just uh, trying to figure out this world on our own. That God, you've just, you haven't just left us to our own devices. Lord, we thank you that you want to be intimately involved in our lives. That, Lord, your Holy Spirit guides our steps, lights our paths. Lord, we ask that you would just show us right now where have we maybe failed to live in such a way that glorifies you? Where have we failed to glorify you in our interactions? Where have we failed to display love or, or mercy or forgiveness or kindness? And Lord, we recognize that even in our failures, Lord, you still love us. Lord, you still forgive us. And Lord, we, we, we are so thankful for that. But Lord, we want to be better. God, we want to live in such a way that glorifies you, that points others to you. So if you would take a moment right now and just ask Lord to draw to your mind a name or, or maybe the face of, of someone that you know you need to reconcile with, someone that maybe you need to ask forgiveness of, someone that you could call today or talk with this week. Or maybe it's someone that you haven't hurt, or maybe someone who hasn't necessarily hurt you. Maybe it's just someone that you could encourage. Someone you have the opportunity to just affirm and love and thank for what they've done. So just ask the Lord either way to bring that person to your mind and then to motivate you to have that conversation, to guide that conversation, that discussion, that he might be glorified through your words. Ask him that now.